There was a fire approaching their house, and all they had time to do was grab whatever they could grab, run out the door, and either flee down the street or drive down the street. Yeah. And, and the, many of them actually, like you said, they really did end up running into the water, to the beach, into the water, for some kind of protection yeah. from the heat and the oncoming fire. We've absolutely had situations where we've had to evacuate. grab our bag and go. Did you know that Sina our son is only one foot shorter than me now. One foot shorter than you? Are you <laughs> he's serious? What he's how many years? Thirty-two years younger than me, <laughs> <laughs> but only one foot shorter. Wow, he used to be a baby. I we used to hold know, him in like the little in the palms of your hand. Oh my god! And our daughter, who just turned six, is completely grown out of all her clothes. Yeah. <laughs> That I'm not surprised. I've heard her running around the house for the last like four days, like berating me for making her wear little clothes. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny because I swear just a couple weeks ago, I asked her, would you like to buy new clothes? Because she turned six and she's wearing mm -hmm. a size four. And I'm like, oh, babe, you know, we should get you new clothes. She's like, no, I'm fine. And then the last few days, she's been like, mom. Yes. I really need some new clothes. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So That's we're going shopping this Dad, weekend. you make yeah. me wear these tiny panties. <laughs> Dad, these t-shirts aren't big enough. Yeah. Jeez, what kind of dad are you? <laughs> Just suddenly. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. You weren't this big three days ago. Yeah. So I'm going to go this weekend and take her on a little shopping trip. It'll be She's awesome. Love that. Um, but it was a reminder that it's about time we go through our go bags again. Yeah, actually, you know, uh, the batteries have been running out on the flashlights in the house. Yes, and I was and thinking the, the same detector. thing. And the smoke detector. It's been about a year. Yep. Yeah. I was agree. I was so yeah. And you're exactly right because we have to change. Oh my gosh, could you imagine if we actually had to evacuate for a hurricane? <laughs> she would be so angry. <laughs> and then the only clothes in the go bag for her were too small. Were too small. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She would light us up. I don't know if you remember when we uh, lived in Thailand, we had a go bag and you have these great flight suits. Mm -hmm. um, they're like giant onesies <laughs> and they're yours, but- They fit both of us. But they fit both of us. So our go bag always included a flight, you know, a flight suit each and one of them because we thought, well, no matter where we go, it's kind of this one size fits yeah. all. Cover you know, all. Cover all, like no matter how fat I get. <laughs> that was not the intention. That was not the intention. But secretly, I know <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, yeah, no matter what, you know, what's going on, like hot or cold or yeah. whatever, the flight suit will protect us. And as, we've had to know. use our go bags before because yeah. uh, when when was the big hurricane? Was it 2015, 16? In Florida? Yeah, we had to evacuate with my that grandmother. Was, yeah, that was 2017 because it was right after Eli was born. Oh my gosh, she was. Mm -hmm. She was a newborn. Was in, yeah. So we've babe. absolutely had situations where we've had to Evacuate. grab our bag and go. Yep. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, it's a great opportunity then to talk about go bags. Yeah. Because especially with, you know, natural disasters right now, like it's, we're in the middle of hurricane season, yep. still Here in living Florida. in Florida. <laughs> um, you know, Hawaii recently had that oh really gosh. terrible fire. Um, you know, I think it's fire season in a number of places, but Hawaii is really, um, also kind of brought the go bags to mind recently too, because the the people didn't have any time, like any notice, right? People were like literally running away from their homes into the water to flee the fire, you know? So if you're not prepared, yeah. you leave with nothing except what's on you. I think this is really important because this is what happens in modern society, right? Mm -hmm. We become dependent on outside institutions to keep us safe. So in yeah. Hawaii, they had a an alarm system yeah. on the island. Was a, It was a community called Lahaina. Lahaina. And they had an alarm system that had been built by the municipality that was there to warn everybody of fires because fires are, they're regular there. They're not right. frequent, right. but they're a common occurrence. So they had this alarm system, but the alarm system didn't work. Yeah. For some reason it, it was down. Off. Yeah. And then they have a backup system where mm -hmm. the state is supposed to send text messages. Yeah. But by the time the backup system was triggered, mm -hmm. the cellular towers had already been destroyed by the, by the fire. fire. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. And it ended up being that residents had literally no forewarning. Yeah. There was a fire yeah. approaching their house. Yeah. 
And all they had time to do was grab whatever they could grab, run out the door, and mm -hmm. either flee down the street or drive down the street. Yeah, And, and the, many of them actually, like you said, they really did end up running into the water, the water to the beach, into the water, yeah. for some kind of protection yeah. from the heat and the oncoming fire. Yeah, and I mean, all, all disasters are different, right? But the thing about the fire is that the wind can make it travel so, so fast. fast and in unexpected ways. You know, it's not like a hurricane where you kind of see it coming three days in advance. You don't know exactly where it's going to land, but you have time to be as safe as you want to mm -hmm. be and hunker down or leave, right? But fires are unpredictable. Tornadoes, yeah. earthquakes. I mean, there are certain disasters that, you know, flash flooding that they can happen in, in the blink of an eye. And you, if you're not prepared to, to grab something and go, you don't have anything to help to help you on the other side, right? Because fleeing is one thing, yeah. but on the other side, you know, once you're safe, you you need something to sustain you as well, right? And one of the things I think it's important to understand is, I mean, there are different types of disasters. Yeah. And and some disasters, you do want to have preparation made to hunker down, mm -hmm. right? There's some places you're better hunkering down yeah. if you have a, a basement in a tornado. Yeah. You're better hunkering down if you're if you have underground lines and you're away from the coastline and during a hurricane. Mm -hmm. Like you've always got to debate yeah. whether the type of natural disaster relevant to you mm -hmm. is the type where you need to hunker down or the type where you need to run. Yeah. I do feel like when it comes to go bags, go bags are relevant and specific to the situation where you have to depart. Yes. You have to leave. You should never try to hunker down. Yeah. With only a bag. Right. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Yeah, right. When you hunker down, yeah. you kind of build the equipment and build mm -hmm. the survivability into your home or into the place where you're hunkering. Right. right. So when we talk about go bags, it really is to evacuate. Yeah. For us, we have never owned a home in Florida where there were underground power lines, where it was resilient yeah. against hurricanes. We no. even built in hurricane proofing technology into our home. Yeah. But it's still like it's there to protect the house mm -hmm. from being destroyed in a hurricane. Yes. It's not there to protect the individuals inside the house yeah. during a hurricane. Right. And one of our big issues during the 2017 hurricane was that we had your grandmother and we had a newborn yep. and we knew the power would go out. Right. And we didn't know because that's just, I mean, on a regular storm night, the power would go out. The transformer close to our house kept blowing yep. and we had no control over that. So we had the very young and the very yep. elderly and, under our care at the time. Yep. In summer. And if the power went out, we were like, that's not a good situation for right. any of us. So we we knew we had to go that year. Yeah. So, and then we've had the same thing happen to us overseas too. Mm -hmm. We've lived in places, we lived in places that were tsunami warnings. Yeah. Tsunami uh, warning places. Mm -hmm. And a tsunami is not the kind of thing where you hunker down. Yeah. Right? Even if they're not regular, mm -hmm. you know, even if they don't happen every year, they happen every three or four mm -hmm. years, you have to have a plan yeah. to evacuate Mm -hmm. when you're in any kind of zone that threatens tsunami. I lived in Colorado. I lived in California with yeah. the military. Those are wildfire areas. Again, wildfires are yeah. not something that you hunker down for. Yeah. You have to evacuate. I love this subject. I love that you brought this up. Yeah. And, you know, the first time I ever thought about go bags and I, it ever seemed important to me to have a go bag was actually when I used to work as a social worker because I used to work with um, refugees and asylum seekers and there were so many stories about people who lived in areas where there was unrest and then the unrest came to their village mm. and they had to run and they had to run through a forest to some other village, right? I mean, they were in the middle of nowhere and, you know, oftentimes they, you know, ran, you know, right out of their house barefoot with just the clothes they were wearing, mm. no food, no water, you know, and they're trying to survive in a forest with wild animals until they can get to someplace, you know, where it's safe, where they can get to a refugee camp, you know, and then the rest is is history after that. But you have to survive the first, you know, you have to survive the fleeing. Wow. And I thought, you know, in the United States, we don't think about these things oftentimes because we feel relatively safe. Um, but I thought, you, you know, know the, the riots that happened in California. Mm. Uh, during the COVID years, mm -hmm. people were fleeing. Yeah. Right? And there, there are oftentimes riots and demonstrations in cities during Black Lives Matter is another area, another period of time yes. where people would flee. And right? that was when the same time as when I developed the mindset of it can, it's, you can never say it can't happen here. Never. Because anything can happen anywhere. Yeah. A natural disaster, a people-made disaster, anything. So you should just 
just be prepared. It doesn't take long <laughs> to uh, prepare a go bag. So, and then I met you, yeah. and we started talking about all the different things you have to think about when you're making a go bag because it's very individual to the person, to where you're living, to what you're expecting, mm -hmm. what might, what could happen in the area that you live in. And I remember when we first met, mm -hmm. you had your idea of go bags yeah. from your social work days, yeah. which I completely understand because that's a scary thought. When you think Super about, scary. when you think about, especially the, the type of people you were helping were people who had, had self-rescued themselves out of a tragedy in a yeah. third world country. Yeah. These are super resilient people. Oh yeah, right. Just incredible to think of the conditions that they were in, whether it was, you know, uh, socially, uh, social oppression or mm -hmm. religious persecution or mm -hmm. who knows what. But outside of that third world existence, you've got the American existence. So for you, mm -hmm. you were coming from go bags in this third world mindset, like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, <laughs> I just spoke to a woman who was serial raped, and yeah. then she had to escape her tormentors, and she yeah. really only escaped with one shoe on. Like, that's terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Not necessarily the kind of thing that the average American household is going to experience. Right. So I was coming from a military background mm -hmm. and a more typical American idea when I had my go bag. So when yeah. we first compared notes, yeah. we had very different bags. <laughs> Mine had snacks. <laughs> <laughs> we had sure. very, very different bags. <laughs> but then we met at CIA. Yeah. And then we actually, we ended up getting a proper education mm -hmm. in how to prepare go bags. And, right. and I think coming out of that, we not only landed on the same page, yeah. but we both became much more confident and much more uh, secure in our go bag approach. First of mm -hmm. all, before CIA, I never checked my go bag. Like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I would pack it on like a Saturday. Usually I would pack it in a hurry because I had other stuff I'd prefer to do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to use this thing anyways. And I would just <laughs> stick a t-shirt in there, stick some socks in there, put a protein bar in there, yeah. right? Put a flashlight in there. Mm -hmm. I remember I remember when I, when I took the same go bag from mm -hmm. Montana mm -hmm. where I was stationed in my last post with the military. Yeah. I took the same freaking go bag to Virginia when I joined CIA. And then when I actually opened that go bag in Virginia, it was so old that the batteries had crusted. Oh, and I was like, I am so glad there is nobody here to see this right now. <laughs> That's terrible. So I, I had never even thought to refresh or renew the go bag like we're talking about because of a lie changing and uh, growing up, right? Yeah. So even us, as we look right now at changing our own or upgrading our own go bags for the family, yes. it's really CIA's training that's making me even consider that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel lucky that we, we had the CIA training before we had the kids because yeah. then once we added the kids to the go bag, you know, when we first, when we were first married, the go bags that we had when we were living overseas, you know, we each had one and then we packed them in ways where, you yep. know, you know, we each could, if we were separated, be on our own with our own bags. Yep. But your bag was definitely heavier than mine. Um, you know, we, we, and yours was larger than mine. But then when we added kids and we were like, oh my gosh, all the kids stuff. And honestly, when we had the baby, I was like, praying. I was like, please don't let us ever have to leave the house with all this baby stuff. <laughs> like, I remember that. It was so much. Um, so I feel like we should kind yeah. of, I feel like, <laughs> ready for a dad joke. I feel like we should unpack <laughs> our go bag approach here a little bit because we totally have the opportunity to, right? So yeah. uh, the, the things that immediately jump to my mind about mm -hmm. our training, the yeah. first one is the 20% rule. Mm -hmm. Your go bag should not weigh more than 20% of your body weight. Yes. And For it to truly be mobile, yeah. it should not weigh more than 20% of your body weight. Because you have to carry it <laughs> who knows how long, yeah. right? Like people think, oh, I'm going to jump in my car and run away. Like that's not necessarily the case. So you have to carry that bag yep. walking, right? That's what you should expect for, you know, one mile, two miles, three miles. Just have that in your mind, right? So it should also not be a bag that is difficult to carry, right. right? Like the the shape of the bag matters. Yep, the shape of the bag, two straps, because you want to be mm -hmm. able to carry it on both shoulders. Yes. Ideally with something that belts across your hip, your hips as well, because yep. if you're carrying it for a long period of time, yes. whether it's a long distance or whether you're being relocated. Yeah. Because that's the other thing you have to consider. If this happens in Florida often, you'll relocate yourself Mm -hmm. to let's say like a big football stadium. And yeah. then from the stadium, people will be bussed or moved to a different place. So you might be carrying your bag yes. for many, many days, if not weeks. So yeah. you want to make sure that you can 
uh, have a comfortable bag mm -hmm. that is strong enough for you to continue carrying it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the weight, the shape, the size, the mm -hmm. two shoulder straps. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I never realized until the agency taught me this is that you always want to have a pair of spare shoes inside the bag. Mm. And they're not necessarily laced shoes, which is not what I ever thought of, right? Yeah. When you are evacuating mm -hmm. and you're actually grabbing your go bag, mm -hmm. your go bag sits in your home. Mm -hmm. Also in your home are shoes with laces. Yeah. So if you're going to evacuate, the first thing you should do is put on shoes with laces. Mm. Therefore, you don't need to have shoes with laces in your go bag. Yeah. Right? You don't put on boots. You don't put on anything mm -hmm. heavy. You don't put on something that's only, like you don't put on sandals to evacuate. Oh yeah, please don't. Put, <laughs> put on a pair of lace shoes to evacuate and then inside your bag, you'll have like a super minimalist thin pair of flip-flops or shower shoes. Mm. And that's what they're there for. They're there so that when you evacuate, mm -hmm. you have your sturdy shoes. That's what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. But then anywhere you you go, you have this pair of sour sandals, shower sandals or, or flip-flops or thong sandals mm -hmm. that you can actually use in public showers, in emergency showers, if you're outdoors in the running water, like that's what that second pair of shoes is for. Yeah. You're only ever going to use one pair of shoes when you're yeah. in an emergency situation. The other pair that's inside your bag is there for all of your hygienic reasons. Yeah. Or, I mean, you might need a backup. Like if you run into the sea and your shoes get wet, right? Yep. Those can serve as a backup so you're not squishing around and, and damaging your feet, yeah, right? Damaging the skin of your feet. You don't want to damage the skin, the skin of your feet when you're on the run mm. because that can create other health issues for you and they can get infected and all these other things. Um, speaking about running into the ocean, um, that speaks to a different type of bag, right? Because you have to think about where you're living and yep. where you might escape to. Right. So for us, a backpack makes sense, but for somebody who For us, a backpack makes sense because we're going to be fleeing on land. Correct. Right. But if you're in an area where you think water might be more likely than not involved, then a dry bag yep. would be the best kind of go so bag So if you're going to have to escape by boat, mm -hmm. get transported by boat, flee yeah. by boat, yep. if you have to walk across water- yeah. If there's like a stream in your backyard or if there's a river somewhere yes. near your home, like in that case, you're probably going to want to make sure you're using a dry bag exactly. or at least have a collapsible dry bag attached mm -hmm. to the outside yeah. of your dry bag, of your dry bag, of your normal bag so yeah. that you can put the one inside the other to keep all of your stuff secure. Right. Yep. Yeah. So then uh, that takes care of basic footwear. That mm -hmm. takes care of the, the bag itself. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think was always really interesting to me was there's an actual strategy for planning what you put inside the mm -hmm. bag. So for us, we, you had already mentioned it, I would always pack my old flight suits. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know what a flight suit is, a flight suit is basically a large pair of coveralls that go full length down your arms and full length down your legs. And I didn't realize how awesome flight suits were mm -hmm. for a go bag until the agency taught me that you a, a pair of coveralls essentially serves... Mm -hmm as a protective layer yeah. to whatever you're wearing under it, mm -hmm. and a pair of clothes on its own, and a essentially a mobile blanket, because, yeah. because you can strap down your arms, strap down your legs, mm -hmm. and the weight of a coverall is heavy enough that it keeps you warm in most climates, right? It has to be right. quite cold before you get really cold in, in a, a pair of coveralls or a flight suit. So mm -hmm. I packed a flight suit for each of us, mm -hmm. plus, three days, 72 hours worth of clothes because mm -hmm. we also learned there are different types of bags. Mm -hmm. There's a 24-hour bag, yes. a 72-hour bag, and then a seven-day bag. Mm -hmm. And of course, bags beyond that. Yeah. We would always pack a 72-hour bag. Yes. 24-hour bags were not necessarily safe because if it's longer than 24 hours, you start hurting. Yeah. So we would always pack a 72-hour bag. Yeah. I think, you know, in my mind, a 24-hour bag, you know, you're counting on getting somewhere where you have additional support. Like you know you're evacuating to your mom's house. Exactly. You know you're evacuating to your in-laws. You know you're, you know exactly where you're going. Right. You just need 24 hours to get there. Exactly. But the 72-hour bag um, was, you know, when you have no idea where you're going to end up. And I always wanted to count on not knowing where I was going to end up, um, especially because oftentimes we lived away from family and yeah. friends. So... Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And then, so we would pack uh, 72 hours worth of clothes, mm -hmm. which is basically three days worth of clothes, which yeah. really is not vacation clothes. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was quite literally three pairs of underwear, three pairs of socks, three t-shirts, mm -hmm. three shorts or whatever, three uh, long pants, 
and everything that we packed mm -hmm. was appropriate for the environment during the season of the yes uh, of the disaster right now we're lucky because we're in florida yeah and in florida all year round you can basically get away get away with lightweight t-shirts and lightweight pants yeah, especially if you're packing a pair of coveralls mm -hmm. as a second layer on top of all yes. those things that's all you'll need here really but like when you think about a place mm -hmm. like uh, like colorado yeah. where there's wildfires in colorado mm -hmm. or when you think about a place like you know missouri where mm -hmm. there's tornadoes and well tornado you might want to hunker down right, right. but either way when you think about different parts of the country even if you go yeah. as far as like north carolina where there's hurricane season yeah. two places you've got with to four seasons right you've got to yeah. think about what is the season that yeah. you're going to be using your go bag mm -hmm. and then you also have to set a reminder on your calendar so that yeah. as the seasons change yeah you revamp your go bag so yes. every six months you go from having a go bag that's winter friendly to a mm -hmm. go bag that's summer friendly and then back again. Because yeah. the last thing you want to do is get stuck with heavy pants when you're surviving in the summer yeah. or you know, thin linen pants when you're trying to survive in the winter. Yeah. So you've always got to be thinking about the types of clothes mm -hmm. during the seasons, but you only need to carry the minimum amount of clothes it requires to get through those days because the layers of your clothing mm -hmm. are additional clothing in and of themselves. Right. It's not like... You know, yes. you're not trying to look fashionable. You're actually using the layers of your clothing to mm -hmm. keep yourself warm and to keep your clothes clean. Yes. So I think that's the, the most important concept to have when you're packing, choosing what to pack in your bag, right? Is the the important concept to keep in mind when you're when you're packing is you want to keep your body with clean clothes on it that will not stay wet, that um, will keep you warm, right? Because even if it's a hot place, mm -hmm you know, your your body temperature changes over the course of the day. So you want things that, you know, will wick, you know, wick fluid when you're sweating, but then at night keep you warm also, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So some of the materials that we're talking about, mm -hmm. we always pack wool, yeah. especially for our footwear. We always have yes. wool. Uh, I am a big fan of 100% cotton, mm -hmm. but cotton is not a wicking material, right? right? Your wicking materials are your synthetic materials. Right. So there's a, there's a benefit to having wicking clothes as your base layer. Yes. But then there's benefits to having cotton as your base layers when you're not in a position where you think that you're going to be cold, mm. right? So if I know I'm going to be cold, I'll put on a wicking layer. Mm -hmm. If I have any suspicion that I'm not going to be cold, I'll stick to normal cotton. Mm. Because even if, because if you sweat mm -hmm. and you sweat in a, in a wicking base layer, mm -hmm. then it, it sucks the sweat away, mm -hmm. but it also brings all the bacteria from your sweat into the material itself. Mm. And that can then work against you. Yeah. Whereas at least if you're, if you're wearing cotton, cotton mm -hmm. is a looser material. It, it yeah. keeps you cooler in general. Uh, yeah. So then those are all benefits. And then the idea is whatever clothes you're wearing, keep them clean. Mm -hmm. it, always, it was always frustrating to me whenever I would watch people in a disaster situation. Yeah. They would they would not pay attention to what they're wearing mm -hmm. when they would be trying to help in the disaster. Mm. And they don't realize that if you get your clothes dirty, yeah. then all that dirt, all the mud, all the sweat, all the gunk, all the, all the grease, whatever, mm -hmm. that blocks the fibers mm -hmm. of the clothing mm -hmm. and actually weakens the clothing. So now your clothes will last less time yeah. and they'll be less efficient in keeping you cool, keeping you healthy, keeping you hygienic. Yeah. So you've got multiple pairs of clothes. In a 72 hour bag, you have three days worth of clothes. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to set aside one outfit as mm -hmm. your work outfit. Mm -hmm. So then all activity that you do, like to survive or to work on your, on your, uh, your, uh, rescue location mm -hmm. or to partner with other people mm -hmm. all your work is done in one outfit yeah. and then you change and yeah. you pretty much always sleep in the same outfit also that yeah. way you're always sleeping in something that's clean mm -hmm. and you get the full benefit of the wool the cotton the synthetics whatever it is that you're wearing yeah. that's really going to be how you sustain yourself for a longer period of time mm -hmm. than than you might anticipate right because that's the thing is you can't always anticipate what it's going to look like on the other end so you might end up in a shelter and maybe it's you know minimal access to a bathroom, minimal access to water. You don't know how clean you're going to be able to keep yourself. Right. And so if you have some of these practices in place, then it helps you sustain for longer. So what is your strategy? What do you recommend uh, for food, for water? Uh, so for water, um, we usually packed bottles. We usually packed um, uh, disposable bottle water and each one each one of us would carry it in the backpack. Um, I know people who uh, pack bottles with uh, water filters in them. Um, I, I don't think that's a bad idea either. You have to think about 
you know, the key is is trying to imagine the situation you'll be yourself in as much as possible. Right. So something you could do to even research it is, you know, research disasters that have happened in the area or something similar. Like you can, you know, read about, you know, people, if you're in a hurricane prone area, you can read about, you know, what what was it like for people after Hurricane Katrina? Mm -hmm. And then from that, think about, okay, these are the things that I'm going to need, right? So like, um, you know, you have to, you know, you have to be careful with protein bars because oftentimes they are full of sugar. Um, but, you know, snacks that last a long time because they're going to be in a bag mm -hmm. and you need to actually check on your food more often. Um, it, you know, high protein, things that, you know, will keep you full longer, um, low sugar. Um, high fiber. High fiber, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I remember that uh, you always carried water bottles, but you really only carried water bottles for the first 24 hours. You wanted to have immediate access to water. Yes. And then on top of that, we would always carry with us some kind of um, mobile filtering system. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what I would carry is iodine tablets or iodine That's right. drops. We have iodine tablets. So then the water yes. bottles that we have, a liter or so of water, mm -hmm. because water's heavy. Yes. Right? So a bottle of water on each side, that's really just to get you through the first 24 hours. And in right. a 72-hour bag, those water bottles that you're mm -hmm. drinking become the water bottles that you use to refill your water. Yes. But what are, you know that you'll always be able, you'll, you can count on being able to refill your water in most situations mm -hmm. because you'll either have emergency water sources mm -hmm. or you'll have public water sources or you'll have water sources in mother nature. Now, for sure, if you're in a place like Arizona, you can't count on natural water sources. Right. But in you know other places, for the most part, you can count on finding water in different locations. But mm -hmm. is that water always going to be potable, trustworthy, drinkable? You don't know. Yeah. That's where the iodine comes in. You The filtering system is there to take the junk out. Mm -hmm. Yes, filtering systems will tell you that they make your water clean. Yeah. But as soon as you need that filtering system and it breaks, you don't yeah. want to deal with Giardia, right? Yeah. So, so take the filtering system, but just trust the filtering system to get the junk out so mm -hmm. that your water is relatively clear mm -hmm. and then use the iodine to actually sanitize it. And drinking iodine or iodine water is a acquired taste. <laughs> it's an, I'm glad you never had to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely an acquired will. taste. I learned how to do that in the military during my own SEER training. Yeah. But, but it becomes incredibly valuable because that iodine that's in the water then goes into your system and mm -hmm. actually ends up helping you digest all sorts of nasties that you need to digest when you're in any kind of survival or emergency situation. Not yeah. to mention the fact that a vial of iodine mm. weighs like three fluid ounces, right? Right. Whereas a 500 milliliter bottle of water weighs significantly more, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's the solution for water. I completely agree. The solution for food is really to be focused on high fiber, high protein, mm -hmm. not necessarily no sugar, but low no sugar. sugar. Yeah. And you want to stay away from anything that's got a shelf life. Mm -hmm. So another thing that's always really good is uh, uh, tinned fish, mm -hmm. tinned tuna, tinned sardines, yeah. tinned you know uh, as salmon. As, as long as you remember the opener. Or, or they have the peel. <laughs> if they have the peel, yeah, those are the better ones. <laughs> but now you've got like you've got enough food that you can sustain yourself mm -hmm. for as long as you need to sustain yourself. And I think that's great too, because really yeah. you're not looking to sustain yourself with a current diet. Correct. That's exactly what I was going to say. That you're, you know, you're not going to be eating your three meals a day, <laughs> you know, with your three balanced meals, right, with the food pyramid. Like you are just trying to get yourself through. So water is the most important. You, can, you can't survive without water. Um, you can go without food. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, having food that that sustains you in this emergency situation for 72 hours, mm -hmm. you know, that's what you're thinking about. You're not thinking about what would I like to eat or, you know, yeah. I have to pack, you know, nine meals. You're not, you're not doing that at all. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And and I and we don't encourage people to think like like jerky is not a very good yeah. thing to take. Yeah. And dried fruits are not a good thing to take. Dried fruits are usually dried with a great deal of sugar mm -hmm. and dried meat is usually dried with a great deal of salt. salt. Yeah. Those two things are going to completely undo the mm -hmm. whole reason that you need water. Exactly. Right? So so look to uh, grain sources of protein, mm -hmm. look to those protein bars, look to nuts, look, mm -hmm. you know, things that have a long shelf life yeah. that have not been heavily processed. Yes. Right? That's yeah. the key. So, okay. So we covered clothes. Mm -hmm. We covered water. Mm -hmm. We covered food. Mm -hmm. We did not. So I think it's super important to also highlight that, especially depending on where you are, you always want to be aware of the elements. What does mm -hmm. mother nature have to throw at you? And if you are in a place mm -hmm. where it rains... Yes. 
have a raincoat or a, or a collapsible poncho, parka yeah. or a poncho have something mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to take space inside your bag mm-hmm. like that's the kind of thing you can wrap up and buckle to the outside of your bag yeah. but if you don't have that yeah as soon as it rains you and your entire go bag mm-hmm. are destroyed right yeah not out of the game forever but all of a sudden everything is wet yes and and that can be incredibly damaging especially if you find yourself in a place where it rains multiple days in a row yeah do you remember, oh my gosh, I remember when we were traveling up and down the East Coast mm-hmm. and we were in an RV mm-hmm. and we ended up in Southern Georgia or was it South? It was Southern Georgia, mm-hmm. North Florida mm-hmm. in the winter mm-hmm. and it just rained. rained yeah. Oh my gosh, it rained for like eight days straight. Yeah. And we were not expecting it. No. We had no idea how any how the RV would do in the rain. We didn't mm-hmm. know anything about anything. And it was like shocking yeah. how much it rained. And we had a conversation about like the Native American tribes that used to live there yes. and the original settlers who must have settled there. Like how did they survive yes. in so much rain? Yeah. That's, that's That memory came to mind as we were having this conversation. Yeah. Well, and then on the flip side, you know, this summer, earlier in the summer here in Florida, it was, I mean, there were a few weeks where it just rained and rained and rained. And now it's been a few weeks where it has been nothing but humid and sunny. Mm. And so same thing, you know, pack a hat. <laughs> Right, like the rain poncho is really important because you know what is your nemesis, yeah. Right, but if it's sunny, that can be really damaging to you as well. And so you know, having some kind of hat that's going to protect you, um, not just sunscreen, like literally a hat that keeps the sun from beating on you if you have to be outside in the elements is really important. That's another reason why having a long sleeve yep. layer even if you're in a hot place is really important because you want to keep that sun off of your skin. Yeah, and if you're carrying something fluid like sunscreen, yes. there's no guarantee that that's gonna stay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got a shelf life. Mm-hmm. You don't know, it's, it could get lost. It Any number of things could go wrong, yeah. right? You, it could. It's going to be something that, that makes your skin sticky and tacky and dirty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you can't wash it off. Yeah, yeah. you want to avoid anything that you're going to put, any kind of layers you're putting on your mm-hmm. skin that are oil-based or grease-based, you want to yeah. avoid that in favor of long sleeves. Right. And the the reason you're taking a hat isn't because you're, you're afraid of getting wrinkles. Right. It's because a hat doubles as skin protection mm-hmm. and eye protection from the yes. sun. So you don't necessarily need to have sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll have them also if you have sensitive eyes. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, the average person can fold up a brimmed hat or even a ball cap and again, attach it right. to the outside of the go bag. Doesn't have to take space on the inside. Right. And then you have it available to you if you need it. We always recommend people carry an extra watch. We always recommend people carry uh, extra batteries, AA and AAA batteries. Mm-hmm just two or three of each, mm-hmm. because also inside your go bag, you're gonna carry some kind, if you're part of a family, yeah, you're gonna carry some kind of communication device, like a walkie-talkie. Mm-hmm. We've always recommended people carry ultra high frequency UHF mm-hmm. walkie-talkies in their bag, mm-hmm. small ones, they're not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got four people in your family, every person has a go bag. We didn't say that. Every person, person yeah. has their own go bag. Dad mm-hmm. does not carry the weight for mm-hmm. him and the son. Mom does not carry the weight for mm-hmm. herself and the two kids and the dog. Right. Everybody, including your pet, has <laughs> their own go bag. Yeah. So when we had our, when our babies were babies, mm-hmm. they had their own go bag. Right. It wasn't my bag with their stuff in it. Mm-hmm. They just had their own little infant go bag. Not mm-hmm. that we expected them to carry it, obviously. Right, it was just... You know, yeah, we would carry it to our. We would carry it <laughs> yeah, to our bed. So we would always keep them together. Yeah. But we always knew where to find the baby's stuff. Yeah. And we never had to worry about you know losing or or costing any kind of m- mess in my bag yeah. that came from baby stuff or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Right. So all that's super useful. And then uh, the batteries that you're carrying are there to keep your. Uh, your walkie talkies mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. Not again, not for like six weeks. Yeah. It's there so that if something happens in the 72 hours, mm-hmm. you have a change of batteries just in case you have a bad battery or anything else. Yeah. Right. And then you always have those also to um, barter and trade because the other thing that people don't mm-hmm. think about is that when you're in any kind of emergency situation, yeah. you're going to be with other people. Right. And you don't want to trade the things that you need. Mm-hmm. You want to trade the things that are excess, but yeah. you also don't want to carry excess on purpose. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you carry spare mm-hmm. and you see how things shape up. You, carrying three pairs of socks, yeah, you may not need three pairs. If you're carrying three pair of wool socks, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, three pairs of wool socks is like nine days worth of clothing. Yeah. 
So if you're really in a place where you're only going to be, you know, uh, waiting for four days before mm -hmm. pickup or whatever, mm -hmm. you're totally within your right to give somebody else that third pair of socks, yeah. especially what's going to happen when you come across that poor family with five kids and yeah. they, they, didn't, they didn't have the go bags and they weren't prepared yeah. and one of their kids is really suffering and you can be like, here's, mm -hmm. here's a pair of socks, right? Yeah. And it's not going to hurt you. It's not reducing your survivability mm -hmm. to be generous. Yeah. If it impacts your survivability, mm -hmm. you cannot be generous. Yeah, That is something else that we were taught. Mm -hmm. If you are going to pay the penalty of pain and ill and yeah. non-survivability by being generous, you, you can't be generous. Yeah. Like you have, to, you have to understand that your survivability is of the primary concern. Yeah. How do you feel about weapons? Because weapons is something we get a lot of people who are like, oh, I got to carry something in my bag to protect <laughs> myself and protect my family and protect my goods. You know, I'm, I am personally not a fan of carrying weapons. Um, but that is because I'm an optimist. <laughs> I, I am hopeful that, um, you know, unlike The Walking Dead, that my enemy will only be the natural disaster <laughs> and not other humans. So I'm always hopeful that, you know, I'm going to carry the minimum I need to survive mm -hmm. the elements um, and not worry about having to also carry a handgun, which is very heavy, honestly. Um, yeah. And that's why I don't recommend hand I don't recommend yeah. handguns for lots of, reasons. lots of reasons. Not in a go bag, right? Yeah. But but for sure, there's reasons to carry knives. There's reasons to carry right. multi tools. I personally yes. prefer a knife over a multi tool. Mm -hmm. A knife a knife is lighter weight. Yes. A knife has a very clear multi use purpose. Yes. Right. It's sharpened so you can use it for clothes. Yeah. You can use it for first aid. You can use it yeah. for food. You can use it for self defense. You can use it for all sorts. You can use it for emergencies. Yeah. Right. If you ever have to cut somebody out of something. Yeah. Like, it's an important tool. It's a super important yeah. tool that you can carry. And you can carry knives across state lines in mm -hmm. the United States. Mm -hmm. You can carry knives across international borders. All you have to do is kind of claim them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and especially yeah. if it's a knife of a certain blade length, you've mm -hmm. got a lot more flexibility than yes. if you carry a handgun or a baton yeah. or a taser or any of those you know, alternatives yeah. that are in the lethal or non-lethal space. Yeah. They have like one single purpose. Yeah. Like what are you gonna do with a baton besides- Besides <laughs> beat somebody. Or a taser besides like, it doesn't help you do much. Right, now yeah. there's always, I, I am a fan of having weapons that you use for other purposes. Like have a baton in your house, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Feel free to have a baton in your house. You want to mm -hmm. have a weapon, have a handgun in your kitchen. We had a friend who had handguns she in her kitchen. Did. <laughs> have yeah. at it, right? Yeah. Like whatever it takes to make you feel safe. But when we're talking about go bags, mm -hmm. every ounce of weight matters. Yes. Everything in your go bag is, should potentially have more than one use. Yes. So you've got to be thinking that way because mm -hmm. you're sticking to the 20% rule first. 20% rule means mm -hmm. a 200 pound guy mm -hmm. is carrying 20 pounds of stuff. Yeah. Right, or I'm sorry, 40 pounds of stuff. Mm -hmm. 200 pound guy is carrying 40 pounds. That's not a lot of stuff. Yeah. For a 200 pound man to survive for three days, that's yes. not a lot of stuff, Yeah. right? So you've, you've always got to be thinking your way through uh, balancing the 20% the rule along with what you're wearing or what you're carrying, mm -hmm. how, where you're gonna be, mm -hmm. who else you're surviving with, mm -hmm. uh, how much you know or don't know about the environment and the disaster itself. Right. Uh, the last thing I think we have to cover is money. What's, yeah. what's your stance on money in a go bag? Uh, I think you should always keep cash in a go bag, which I'm sure makes people nervous because really you should keep your go bag next to a door. <laughs> So you can leave quickly with mm -hmm. it. You shouldn't, you know, create your go bag and then hide it in the bottom of your closet. You in the know, back room. In the back room. On the second story. So nobody steals the cash <laughs> you have in there, right? Like your go bag needs to be in a place where your house catches fire. There's a fire coming. Yep. There's a, you know, floodwaters, whatever. You literally open that, you know, your closet door in the front or whatever. You yep. grab the bag, you go. Um, That's your coat closet. For people up north, there's yes, always a Yes, I'm trying to remember closet. what people up north call it, the coat closet. Down south, they must always have some kind of mud room or sand room, right? Uh, a lot of people that have a garage, do, yep. not, do not put your go bag in your garage. Don't put your go bag in the exit to your garage. Put mm. your go bag by your front door because there's no guarantee you're going to escape by car. Right. Right. So, I mean, even right now in our house, we don't have a closet by the front door. We have mm -hmm. a pantry in mm -hmm. the kitchen that's close to the front. Mm -hmm. So that's an area that we've considered putting our go bags. Mm -hmm. But we have these little strange nooks in yeah. between our pillars right by our front door. Yeah. So we actually have multiple bags just hanging on the pillars mm -hmm. right by the front door. Yeah, exactly. Easy to take off the hook and get going. 
Um, so yeah, I think that you should carry a certain amount of cash. I think how much depends on where you live and how much things cost. Um, you know, overseas we kept, uh, you know, and then overseas barely counts. Overseas, a hundred dollars, right, in small bills in U.S. currency would cover you for like three or four days. Right. So here we carry $200 in cash. Mm -hmm. We don't carry any bills larger than a $20 bill. Correct. Right, And that's not yeah. just us. We put $200 in your bag, mm -hmm. in my bag, and in mm -hmm. each of the kids' bags. Yeah. So the reason that's important is because as a, as a family, mm -hmm. resource-wise, each person has $200. Yeah. So if they have to be, if we're separated, mm -hmm. which would be terrifying, but happens. Yes. If the kids were to be separated, mm -hmm. They would have their own currency. Yeah. But as a family, we now have the combined currency of everybody. Yeah. Right? So together, we have $800 mm -hmm. to last three days. Yeah. Now, that's that doesn't go as far as you might want it to go, mm -hmm. but it should be far more than enough combined for the four of us mm -hmm. because we're going to be sharing gallons of water. We're going to be sharing, yeah. you know, whatever we buy from from re from uh, anybody who's providing food or yeah. clothing or whatever else. So you might consume more mm -hmm. than our six-year-old consumes, mm -hmm. but we get the combined value of everybody's money. But everybody yeah. still has to carry their currency in their own bag. Yeah, and Not, I, So we don't have you carrying everybody's money. And then right. we're left with no money if we're separated from Yeah, you. I think that's one of the key concepts too is when you have more than one person, like if you're one person, you're carrying all your own stuff. But when you have more than one person, everybody has to be independent everybody mm -hmm. has to carry something so that if people are separated yep. you can still hold your own and survive and right? i understand that there are people out there who teach the idea of like a family bag and there are people out there i've even seen people who teach the idea of having a family bag that the dog carries right because the dog can carry more weight yeah. on its back i this is this goes against everything we were trained mm -hmm. could it work sure lots of things could yeah. work our training taught us that every individual operator mm -hmm. and in a family unit, each family member needs to be seen as an independent operating mm -hmm. unit, right? An independent yeah. operator. Each operator should carry their own resources. Yeah. And then as operators get together, they can combine resources, but you should mm -hmm. never count on having group resources for each individual operator. Right. Because one person might get left behind. I can You can see it happening. If there was an encroaching or if there was an impending fire, mm -hmm. if hurricanes, right? Mm -hmm. if there was an impending hurricane, I would absolutely, hurricanes, I would have everybody leave together. Yeah. But if there was something other than a hurricane, if there was some kind of like wildfire in our neighborhood or whatever else, mm -hmm. I could see myself having you guys leave first. Mm -hmm. As soon as we know it's coming, mm -hmm. I could see myself being like, you guys go, mm -hmm. right? You guys get someplace safe, beat the traffic, get there and get settled. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'll I'll take care of the really important things, secure the whatever, make mm -hmm. sure the fire safe is in place. Like I'll take the extra two or three hours mm -hmm. and either catch up with you at a predetermined combo place mm -hmm. or at our final location. You always want the flexibility to decide if you're going to split up and mm -hmm. how you're going to reconnect. Not yeah. every emergency requires everybody to leave at the same time, yeah. but you have to have individuals with their own resources. Yeah. Or even if you do leave at the same time, you know, we're a family of four you know, our daughter trips, I stay behind. Suddenly you guys are a block ahead. Yeah. Fire comes through the middle and we're separated, yeah. right? So, you know, I think when you have little kids, for example, you know, people are like, oh, my kids are so little. Like you, they can have their small backpack and you could pack their backpack with one day's worth of stuff, mm -hmm. right? And then you carry the extra as the parent. But at least if something happens, like they have 24 hours, your right. kid has 24 hours worth of stuff. And then always have a carabiner so, because at some point once you know the the real danger has passed you're probably going to end up carrying your kid's bag and you can just attach it to the back of yours right so just be prepared yeah. um i think same thing with um you know money i think for a lot of people having you know 200 per family member and cash just sitting in a bag mm -hmm. is a lot it's a lot that's a lot of money so i think you know you just have to figure out what can you afford right it could be $50, it can be $100, right? Just, but have something, have some kind of cash because when everything catches fire or, you know, there's, uh, God forbid, like an EMP or there's a bomb mm -hmm. drop, you know, when something horrible happens, you can't count on being able to pull money out of your bank. You can't count on your card being able to work. You can't count on Keep being able to use- Banks being open, yeah, electricity being available. Using Apple Pay, like yeah. it's not gonna work probably. So. Um, you know, have some kind of cash, even if it's 20 bucks, just to 
just to you know get you through a moment of a real emergency when you might need to use that cash. So I don't I don't disagree with you completely. <laughs> I don't disagree with you completely, I'm but I but it's, about... it's super important here. It's super important to make sure that people don't think that they can get cheap with the go bag. Mm -mm. Like if you want to be cheap with something, be cheap with something else. Yeah. Right. Like you putting two hundred dollars or one hundred dollars. You you feeling the pain of mm -hmm. putting as much money as possible, mm -hmm. not to exceed two hundred dollars, mm -hmm. into your seventy two hour go bag mm -hmm. is you're not losing the money. Right. It's there. So if some other emergency pops up, if the engine on the car dies or if you need a new tire, mm -hmm. like you have the money. It's yeah. just in cash in your go bag. So yeah. go over there and then take the money out of your go bag mm -hmm. and then repopulate it, put it on the calendar to repopulate something right. later on. It's not the same as like, you know, tying your money up somewhere else. Right. But if you need it, holy shit, man, you don't want to grab mm -hmm. a three-day bag with 20 bucks in it. Yeah. That is going to go so badly after about 12 hours. Yeah. And that just, and now all of a sudden it's like, you're, I guess you're still better than with nothing, but. I'm just, oof. you know, I'm. I just don't want to give people permission to get cheap with the bag. So, so that's a fair point. I'm just thinking about my student days when I like didn't have enough money in the bank to pull out like a $5 because they were going to charge me a fee for the ATM. And then all I had was $5. So I couldn't get any money out of the bank. Um, but something that people could do is um, kind of, save money into their go bag, right? So if you're at a place where pulling out $200 right now and sticking it into the go bag, you know, is super painful for you or actually you are unable to do it, then what you could do is just every time you get paid for the next three months or so or put however long, right? Put five bucks, put 20 bucks, take that, you know, don't, don't get your Starbucks coffee that day, stick a $5 bill on your go bag, right? Like just once a week, you could build it up that way, right? I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm supporting you. <laughs> I'm just trying but to help painful. people out. <laughs> it's a little bit painful. <laughs> but the key concept, have some cash in your go bag. <laughs> and I think I think that covers everything. Really, we've covered food. We've covered cash. We've covered self-defense. We've covered family planning, individual planning. We've covered clothing. Mm -hmm. We've covered the bag itself, mm -hmm. right? And I think it's all, and especially with the wildfires happening in Hawaii, like you said, mm -hmm. hurricane season in Florida, like you said. Yeah. I mean, there's it's there's record-breaking heat happening. Yeah. In record-breaking heat, do you know what happens if the freaking, if electricity goes out? Yeah. You got to skedaddle, man. You got to yeah. grab your bag, get in your car and go somewhere and yeah. go somewhere else yeah. because you don't want to sit around in a heat wave yeah. when you don't have any idea when electricity is going to get yeah. turned back on, Roasting especially if you're house. over the age of 60. Yeah. All folks, if you're over the age of 60, do not mess around with that stuff, Yeah, right? You're not weak. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. It has everything to do with the infrastructure that's there to support you, the infrastructure that's mm -hmm. out there, the hospitals, the first aid, the medics, the, the first mm -hmm. responders, like they're there for a certain demographic of people and that mm -hmm. demographic basically caps out at like 55. Yeah. They're there for your to keep your 25 to 55 year olds alive and healthy barely. Yeah. Once you're over 60, those EMTs and first responders are not as well equipped to suit your needs. So yeah. you've got to you've got to keep yourself safe. So I would add one more thing and that is uh first aid, right? You we want We didn't talk about first aid. So you want to have something something in their kit or whatever it is for first aid. And then you have to think about your own family's needs. So if you are taking prescription medications yep. or something like that, you might not necessarily hold them in the go bag, but like for for us, I have all we of my- a list. Yes, I have, right. I have all of my stuff always in one place. Mm -hmm. And then I have an empty bag that if I had to run, I would literally shove everything into that bag, zip it up, stuff it in the top of my go mm -hmm. bag, and we would go. I see. I remember that. I remember when we were when we had uh, prescription skin ointments for the kids, mm -hmm. and we had yes. to use them. So we would just pin a a, a list, like a, a post-it note, to the outside mm -hmm. of the bag that had the three things that we needed to grab. Yes. So then, when you grab the bag, you can't. You see the list right there. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. I got to make sure I grab this, and then one, two, three ointments for the kids right yeah. into the bag, and you're out the door. Yeah, and those things aren't like spread all over the house. They're always kept in the same place, yep. so it's easy to just, you know, push them in, put them in the bag, go. Great point. Yeah. So uh, I kind of like that we landed on this go bag conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it was a little bit outside of our normal conversation, but it was still very exciting. <laughs> it's near and dear to our hearts. It's near and dear to our <laughs> geeky hearts, right? <laughs> Um, and it's in, it's in line with the question that I wanted to bring up today because mm. somebody asked us the question and I get this question often. I don't know how often anybody gets to talk to you. you you're still kind of a new and special <laughs> really flower that people don't get to talk to. 
So I, I'm really curious to hear your answer to this. But the question was, do you ever worry for your family's safety? And I think the implication of the question was, being former CIA and mm. being so public, do you ever worry for your family's safety? So the short answer is yes, but I've always worried for the family's safety. I think the you know the core of the worry changes over time. Um, but I would say yes. Um, you know, all my old worries are still there about, you know, stranger danger. <laughs> and you have anxiety, so you have worries about worries. About everything, yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, being so public for sure um, is an additional layer because, you know, you just never know when there's going to be somebody out there who misinterprets what you say yeah. or who disagree so vehemently and has other issues going on because you can disagree vehemently, you know, vehemently with with somebody mm -hmm. and still be civil. Right. But sometimes there are people who have other things going on that are unaddressed yeah. and then they channel all that rage towards you. They don't even know you, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, you see stuff in the news and that happens and it's it's really sad and yeah, definitely I would like to protect my family from that. You know, so, it's interesting. I like this question because uh uh, it, it's it's helping people kind of understand that we are taking a risk mm -hmm. by being public, by talking on podcasts, by yeah. by interviewing on other podcast channels, by creating a YouTube channel, by creating a business where we share our knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people out there. We've seen some crazy people do some crazy things to us, mm -hmm. sending emails to our customer service team, calling us, you know, uh, approaching us in public mm -hmm. and like directing their anger at us. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, somebody accused me of being the reason that we went into Iraq and Afghanistan because of WMD. I was like, I joined CIA in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> the whole WMD thing happened in 2002. Yeah. Right. There's no way I can be held accountable for that, but I was the focus of their anger, yeah. right? And that happens to us. And I think we are both very sensitive to the fact that we are public mm -hmm. and we have made our family public, right? right? We want to share our entire experience mm -hmm. in this life as Americans, as service people, as business owners, yeah. with everybody. We want to be transparent. right? And some people see that as a reason to target us. So the huge advantage that we have mm -hmm. is that it's unlikely anyone out there can target us as effectively as you <laughs> can like counter target. Essentially, you yeah. can protect us from the tools that other people use to find us. Mm. I think that's what's been kind of our superpower. So uh, out of curiosity, mm -hmm. if you had to find, if you were a crazy <laughs> and you were trying to find somebody, what would be like two or three things that you would look for right away? I don't want to tell people my secrets. <laughs> Fair enough. So then not you. What would a average crazy? Because you're a special kind of crazy. So what would an average crazy look for? Um, so, you know, I think um, I think like we've I've talked about before, you know, the Internet is the biggest security risk because nothing is private. Mm -hmm. Right. If you look long enough and hard enough, you can find out almost anything about a person, especially somebody who starts to become public. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, I think there was somebody, I usually do research on people <laughs> when I'm <laughs> going to work with them. <laughs> That's because I'm curious. Um, but it's amazing how much you can find out. Um, you know, you can find out who their spouse is, mm -hmm. what, um, you know, uh, what uh, their, their, not their voter record, but um, how they are registered to vote. Um, usually voter registration records have addresses with them. Um, you know, you can find out history of phone numbers. Yep. You can find out family members, right? I mean, that's one of the two, the key things that you do in targeting is yeah. not just look at the person, but look at who's around them. All of that's on the internet. Yeah, um, the internet's you know. incredible because it, it does all that work for you. It, yeah. uh, it'll tell you the political leanings, the religious beliefs. It'll tell you sometimes the healthcare history, the phone numbers, the emails, the addresses, the history of addresses, yeah. the history of emails. It'll connect you with the phone numbers and addresses of family members. Mm -hmm. It's really quite insane how much information is out there yeah. that can be discovered, not even collected, just discovered if you hit on the right kind of 
website because there's yeah. websites out there called people search websites yeah. that are backed by things called data brokers and mm -hmm. information brokers. And these are these are just web crawlers yeah. that that are automated to go out there, collect personally identifiable information, PII, mm -hmm. collect that about people and then bring them together into a single database. So when people want to find you, mm -hmm. they really can find you. And I think we... Yeah. have always known that that was the reality. If people yeah. want to find you, they can. They can. So a couple yeah. of the things that we do to protect ourselves, mm -hmm. one is we don't live where we are registered to live. Right. The address I usually use for things is actually a forwarding address. Yep. Which is completely legal in the United States. Yep. So anybody out there who wants to protect their own personal information, mm -hmm. you can actually register to live mm -hmm. in a forwarding address. Yeah and then physically live in a completely different address. Yeah. Does it make life a little bit complicated for Amazon or whatever else? Yeah, but it also means that when people find your voter registration and they find your tax history, right. the address they find is not yours. Yeah, it's not where you're physically residing. So when yeah. Crazy shows up with a bunch of you know pickles or eggs, <laughs> they're throwing it at somebody, like they're throwing it at a door a that is a business, exactly, yeah. a forwarding address. So that's something mm -hmm. that we 100% employ. And then another thing that we employ is a tool called Aura. Aura mm -hmm. is a cybersecurity platform. Right. We are clients and we are official sponsors of Aura. So it's really important that we share this transparently, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? We work with Aura and we support and sponsor Aura. Mm -hmm. So that's why you see their logo on the screen with us right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why you'll see a statement in the description below that very clearly states that we are sponsors of Aura. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Aura is a, is a platform that actually erases our public data from the yeah. internet. Yeah. Right. So every data broker and information broker out there has mm -hmm. a right by federal law to collect your mm -hmm. personal private data. Mm -hmm. If you can believe that there's actually an act called the Fair Credit mm -hmm. Reporting Act, the FCRA, mm -hmm. that makes it legal mm -hmm. for corporations to collect your private data. Mm -hmm. The federal government cannot collect your private data, mm -hmm. but they have made it legal for corporations to collect your private data. And yeah. then the government can buy your private data from the corporations. Right. That's all under something called the FCRA. So because that exists, that's why every time you fill out a form online or sign up for a new app, your data is collected, harvested, and then mm -hmm. sold to these people search sites. Yeah. However, it's also legal and enforceable that if you submit a request to have your data removed from their system, yep. they must comply and they must comply in a reasonable period of time Reasonable period of time is defined as less than 30 days. Mm -hmm. So all it takes is for you to submit a request mm -hmm. and then a data broker or information broker must delete your data from their records. Mm -hmm. Aura, the yeah. company that, that we support, has an automated system that actually mm -hmm. finds our data for us mm -hmm. on these other platforms and then erases that data for us. Yeah. And it's an automated system. So it goes back and it searches again and again on an automated mm -hmm. basis. And every time it finds anything about us, it automatically creates a request from that information service yeah. to delete anything about us, which is really impressive when you consider yeah. that there's over 500 data brokers out there, yes. registered, licensed, legal data brokers, over 500 of them. So yeah. if you and I were to literally fill out a form for every one of them, mm -hmm. it would only be valid for them to erase the data within 30 days of when we sent the form. Mm -hmm. If their web crawlers go out and crawl our data again on day 31, yeah. it goes right back on their systems. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's super useful. So, yeah. so yes, we do some tactical things mm -hmm. like register ourselves in different, uh, different uh, physical addresses, yeah. but we also do cyber stuff and we, yeah. act, we use a system and we use a platform. Aura is our preferred choice mm -hmm. so that you can go in so that Aura does the work for us to yeah. erase us from the system. If anybody out there is interested in learning more about Aura or becoming a part of Aura or testing it, mm -hmm. we actually have an agreement with Aura where they get 14 days of a complimentary free trial. Mm. All they have to do is sign up at aura.com forward slash everyday spy. Um, the link for that is actually down in the description, folks. So if anybody wants to give uh, Aura a try, and if you want to go on there and see exactly how simple it is to sign up and erase your own data from those data brokers, just open the description, click on the link below, or open a new browser and go to aura.com forward slash everyday spy. You'll get everything you need right there. But between our personal choices mm -hmm. and our use of the tool Aura, that is how we keep ourselves, our data, mm -hmm. and our family safe. Yeah. And just like you said, you have to be, it's a constant process and you have to be vigilant. So you know, a service like Aura, you know, like you said, it they are constantly monitoring it. 
And that's important because for you to take your own time to do that, mm -hmm. it would just be so time consuming. So it's nice to have somebody else who can provide that service for you. And then you just every once in a while do a check on your own name yep. and see what's out there. Yeah. And Aura is really convenient. It gives us a, a, a mm -hmm. dashboard on our yeah. cell phone so we can literally look at our digital footprint, mm -hmm. along with other things like our credit history, our yes. fi fi financial transactions, you know, who's looking us up, where we stand on the dark web. Right. It's a pretty amazing tool, but one of the many things it does that's very cool is mm -hmm. help keep us safe by erasing our private data. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right, folks, thanks very much for your time. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Make sure you take a few seconds to click on the link in the description. Go check out Aura. Go see if it's a good fit for you and for your family or for yourself as an individual. And then also make sure that you take the time to visit us at our homepage, everydayspy.com, or take our spy quiz and find out what kind of spy you would be. Uh, we really enjoy these conversations with you. I really enjoy these conversations with you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and we love getting your comments, your feedback, and your questions. So make sure that you leave a question or a comment below for us, whether just to tell us that you love the content or give us an idea or sign up for Aura and then drop a comment and tell us that you signed up for Aura so that we can celebrate with you. Either way, we're excited to have the next conversation with you and we'll see you soon. Take care.